Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Mental Sweet Spot podcast, the magic of being truly committed. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. If you're a podcast returner, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm Melanie Rushing and I'll be joined shortly by Alicia Smith for a new series where we talk about the traits of the best teams and players, the seven C's. Today we discuss being committed. We talk about what it looks like when players are and are not committed, what we coaches can do to help or hurt that commitment, and some specific ways commitment helps players become more mentally tough. This episode is brought to you by our free workbook, The Softball Coach's Guide to Crafting Your Dream Season. We say that softball is 90% mental, but it's not that easy to implement the mental game 90% of the time. Or can it be? Let us guide you through crafting your dream season by showing you how to implement the mental game every day without it feeling like one more thing you have to do. To get your free copy of the workbook, simply head to mentalsweetspot.com and click Yes, I Am. Now let's get back to the show. Today, we are talking about being committed, what that looks like. So Alicia, let's start with what it doesn't look like when the athletes aren't committed. Well, I think when the athletes aren't committed, you can definitely see it in a lot of different areas. You see it in you know, maybe their effort or lack of effort. Um, they may not have any goals. Um, they seem to maybe not care, although that may not necessarily be true. Um, and I feel they're really not connected to their why. They don't really understand why they're there um, or, or maybe just have that thought that it's about hitting home runs every time you're up to bat or striking every batter out as a pitcher. Um, they just don't have that connection to that why, which we've talked a lot about. And I think that that's probably one of the most critical pieces uh, to moving forward to building all of these other mental skills is, is really understanding how to be committed. But as a coach, recognizing when maybe your players aren't. Can you give an example of what that looks like and how coaches can start to notice when the player is drifting toward that lack of commitment? I think you can kind of see it when players maybe on the field and practice, maybe drop some of their communication. Maybe in the past, they've been a very vocal player um, or they just, and they just seem to not continue to be vocal. Uh, You can maybe see it in the way they treat their teammates, or maybe they don't show up right on time when they're supposed to, or they start maybe not following some of the rules that you've established. And I think that that kind of comes out in these little, little things that you could pick up if, if you're really kind of paying attention. Good point. I was thinking also like when it feels like they're not giving a hundred percent effort or, you know, they could give more. Sometimes it's kind of subtle at first, but I think it's really important to notice that and like catch it and call it out and talk to them. Absolutely. And I think there's a, there's a difference between a player fearing failure versus just not having the all out effort maybe because they're not fully committed to either you know, the process or committed to diving for the ball. And it has a little bit, it's a little bit different than maybe just flat out fearing failure and not catching the ball, for example. Mm -hmm. Have you had any players that really struggled this for a long time, maybe? I have. I mean, unfortunately, I think if you coach long enough, you're always going to find sometime in your career that's going to happen. And, you know, you try to have those side conversations with that player because there may be something, you know, else going on outside of softball. Um, but just try to understand where their commitment or where their effort um, is or isn't and, and try to understand why. So the biggest piece I've seen in the past is every once in a while I have a player that doesn't buy into what we're trying to accomplish at Matawan. For example, uh, the notebooks and buying into the mental, mental game and, the, and developing mental toughness. Uh, unfortunately, I've had a couple of players who, who just haven't bought in. And, and one example I can think of is we read a lot of 
articles or snippets from uh, an internet article or something in. And I could tell that this particular player wasn't reading the stories because they were always done first. And I know that it was just keeping the book open and acting like they were reading, but they never participated in any of the conversations. And if you did ask specific questions, they couldn't answer them because clearly they didn't read the article. So that's a telltale sign of somebody truly not being committed and buying into the process. Mm-hmm. And the trouble with that is it trickles down to the rest of the team. It does, because even if you only have just one player, you know, on a team of 15, the other players recognize that. So that can be frustrating for them because if they really truly have this passion around what we're doing and trying to accomplish and they see a teammate that isn't doing that, I think that that's um, definitely kind of a deflating for them in a way. And it's really deflating as a coach too, because you really truly need everybody on board, every single player, every single coach that is a part of that program has to be on board with what you're doing. So those are tough situations. So kind of flipping that opposite now, Let's talk about what it looks like when the girls are committed and they are bought in. Everyone's running on all cylinders, minus the one rough day. (laughs) But when you know they're bought in, what has that looked like for your team? That's actually really special. And I think that you see it with each individual, but as a collection of a team, you can really see amazing things happen on the field. You can see these um these great celebrations for maybe a great play, maybe an outfielder made this incredible catch and you just see the whole team is celebrating and very happy for that player. Um, You see kids that are speaking uh, from a leadership standpoint to their teammates and saying the same language that maybe they've heard me say all the time, you know, and in, or even when maybe a kid is interviewed from a local news station or something, when they come out and watch practice and film, they'll want to interview some kids and, when they stand up and they start saying the same things I do, you know that that means that they're fully bought in, they fully believe because they're speaking your language. And I think that that's really important, especially from a leadership standpoint, that they really help bring along the younger kids and say, hey, this is kind of the way we do it here. And and let's let's jump on this bandwagon together and let's go in the same direction because we all have to be committed if we want to achieve our goals. Absolutely. And I love that piece you said of the more veteran girls pulling in the younger kids or just the newer girls, because you've said this before and we keep, we will say this over and over again, player led teams are where it's at. Like as much as coaches will always have a big influence on game day when the players are leading it. And if you left the field, they'd be completely okay. That's when you know you've hit the sweet spot, pun intended. But Do you have any other examples of what it looks like when they are committed? I think from a coach's standpoint, you can definitely see when players are selfless, when they really truly um, aren't exhibiting any selfish behavior and really truly buy into the team culture that they are a part of this team that is trying to accomplish something. And in order to truly be committed, I think you have to be selfless in any team sport and that's sometimes a very difficult thing to come across or to try to teach to kids. But it's if, again, if it's part of the language every day and the older kids really kind of see and exhibit that behavior, then it's much easier to kind of pass down to the younger kids. And the very first or second podcast I think we did for my team, we talked about how a senior had said that that was one of the culture words was selfless. And she really took some time to understand, admittedly, over maybe two or three years what that meant. You know, so so from the time she came into the program as a freshman to the time she left, I think is when she really started to understand what selfless meant. So 
this isn't something that definitely is something you try to learn over a couple of weeks time. You can talk about it every day. You can make sure it's part of your culture, but that learning part that when it happens is something that really is truly amazing. Oh, I love that. So this is definitely the coach's dream to have this feeling at least by the end of the season where everyone's clicking and everyone's understanding what it really means to work for the team. But what are some things that maybe you've done in the past or that you've heard other coaches do that could really harm this commitment and buy-in from the girls? Well, I think, again, it, it all starts with kind of your culture, right? So making sure that you're building these relationships with your individual players to try to understand, you know, their individual why and, and what's connecting them to their goals and even what their goals are. So you know, why are your players there every single day? What type of feeling do they want to have for when they walk off the field? And we've talked a lot about this, I think, as well as part of our podcast series that connecting to your why is really important. And if you don't understand the why of each one of your players, then you're not going to truly get that commitment, I think, from them because you're not, you don't have that relationship with them to order to understand fully what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. I think it plays into motivation too. We, we're all aware that you can't motivate everybody the same, but then it's like, okay, well, how do I motivate different players? <laughs> it's kind of difficult if you're just trying to guess. Absolutely. So if you have that understanding, you know, that's each player is motivated by something slightly different and trying to, you know, you're going to coach and talk to each player a little bit differently um, too, to help them through that piece. And that second piece is when you relate your goals, maybe even as a team or even have your individuals relate their goals to something that's outcome-based as opposed to process-based. Then there's this mm -hmm. idea, right, where if if your only goal is a pitcher is to have an ERA of under one, you know, you either achieve it or you don't. Mm -hmm. There's no in between. So if what happens if you don't achieve it? Does that mean that you didn't hit your goal, therefore you weren't successful? So I think when you tie all of your goals to process goals, um, as a team, again, which is a part of your culture, which is such an important part of foundation building, um, then you can really start to understand your kids, connect to their why, and also help them formulate process-related goals. Mm -hmm. One thing that I hear resistance on with coaches is the worry that, oh, well, if I can only focus on process goals and what's in my control, I can't set the big goals. And that's not what we're saying at all. I want you to have big crazy goals every season for the team and individually but in order to reach those and then not feel crushed if you don't meet them you've got to kind of go down the ladder rung by rung with okay well if I want to reach this big goal of making an all-conference team or performing at states how am I going to get there and then how am I going to get there blah 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 so can you break down how you did it with your girls because you had that big goal right and I think that it's okay to talk about big goals, winning a state championship, winning a conference championship, et cetera. But what you have to ask them is what are you committed to? You are committed to the controllables, which are things like your culture, your why, what you come with every practice. Do you, you have these decisions to make, right? I, I firmly believe that you have a choice on how you're going to approach every single day, uh, every single practice, every single incident that happens in practice, whether it's a missed ground ball or, or a home run off a pitcher, right? You, st you still have to have that idea of process-oriented goals because if you are fully committed to your culture and you're fully committed to your why and you're committed to really becoming, you know, 1% better every day, there's a lot of like sayings out there or something like that, then the winning takes care of itself. 
because you cannot even begin to talk about winning a state championship or winning a conference title unless all of that is in place. You know, because every coach that has ever won anything would tell you that that team was an excellent team. They did all the things they were supposed to do. But if you really look underneath everything, it was basically because you had a strong culture and those kids were committed to everything that they said they were going to do every single day, as well as the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. And that culture can be different for each team too, but it's just finding that out and then almost declaring like, this is us, this is who we are, this team, even if it's the same program with returning players, every team is different. Absolutely. (laughs) So just declaring that each season and then starting from there. Right. And then you want to also review with them, right? Those obstacles that you're going to face because every team also comes across those, right? So you have to be prepared to be able to, to face those, right? You're going to have bad umpires. You're going to have uh, weather. You're going to have delays in in maybe when you start or in the middle of the game. Lord knows, you know, we documented that as well in our season <laughs> plenty of times. But there's all those obstacles that are uncontrollable. So mm-hmm. if you can really have that strong foundation, be committed to everything that you're doing, then those obstacles aren't as big and you have a plan on how to attack them. Mm-hmm. Or how about a big obstacle and a mistake I made. You set a big goal, which is great, and then didn't meet that goal and knew you're not going to meet it before season was even over. Like, whoa. dealing with that in retrospect and trying to figure it out on the fly, I was like, oh no, I think I just crushed their little hearts. Oh, what do we do now? <laughs> right. So that's where that that focus on those controllables is really that that piece that you talk about every single day, right? And mm-hmm. and committed to that culture and talking about you if your culture is selfless and your culture is committed, then I would expect that to be something that you do every day. Mm-hmm. Because at at the end of the season, win or lose, then as long as you've gone through the the season and you f- fully agree and believe that you were committed and that you were selfless and you did all these things, you're still going to feel like it was a successful season. Because they they were based on process goals, not outcome goals. Because there's only one winner. You know, we talk about this all the time. There's only one state champion. There's only one conference champion. There's only one national champion. But it can't be win or you were a failure in your season. Mm -hmm. So based on that, what would you say are some tips for coaches to make sure they're implementing this in a way that it sticks and actually lasts? I think first part is really trying to understand what your player's why is right? And go through that exercise of trying to understand why they're there and what makes them feel committed to the process and and committed to the team. And along with that, not only making sure you understand, you know, why your players are there every day, have them set these long-term goals. There's nothing wrong with that, but under the long-term goals, they should have a short-term goal of how they're going to get there, right? So what types of things are they going to do to be committed to not only themselves, but the team to achieve the long-term goals? But at the end of the day, those goals always have to be tied back to the player's why. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And, and finally, I think it's just the consistency of talking about it every single day. Um, it has to be in, in your speeches to your, to your team before you start a drill. Uh, as you're preparing for a game, if, if you're consistent with the verbiage and the language that is a part of your culture and and part of staying committed, then you also as a coach are, you know, showing that you're committed to this because it's in your language every single day. Mm-hmm. I like that. And it doesn't have to be a super formal, like, let's sit down and review our goals. Because <laughs> right. I've done that before too. And it like, oh, it gets boring. But it's something like, hey, what's, 
Like, what's the purpose for the practice today? Here's our practice plan. Here's what we're doing. What are you working on? Hey, look, there's a process goal. Absolutely. We had, I changed it to like a theme of the week word. So we, we would have a theme of the week and the kids would always get kind of excited. Like what's the theme of the week this, you know, this week coach. And so we would always make sure that we had something and that was, that was communicated to them ahead of time. But as a part of that, also a part of your language that week, um, but just because you move on to maybe another C or a different a different word doesn't mean you stop talking about that one, right? So it's still incorporated into everything you do. Mm-hmm. So to kind of wrap things up and pull it all together, I want to talk about the top things that we hear from coaches and players of what they struggle with mentally. So the top five things we hear are my girls struggle with believing in themselves uh, they have a hard time recovering after a mistake. They get stuck on the uncontrollables. They get in their own head and they put too much pressure on themselves or can't deal with expectations. So I want you to talk a little bit about how knowing your why and connecting that to every one of your process goals can help players deal with these issues. It's interesting. We just brought this up today because I had a conversation with a player who um, is kind of struggling with with all of these things, right? So I think one, you kind of have to get back to remembering your past successes, right? And really trying to get back to that time if, if you're struggling at that moment is getting back to and connecting to your why. So if you really don't understand what that is, then that's definitely one of the first places as a coach I would start is is walking through that process in order to determine the, the player's why. And I think that if you continue to focus on the process and staying committed to getting better every day, that helps you stop focusing on the uncontrollables. Mm. Because if you miss a ground ball, right, that doesn't change anything from your goal standpoint or from connecting to that why. Because if your why, for example, is relentless and you miss a ground ball, then you can connect that back to your why. Then you can jump right back up there and go get that ground, the next ground ball. And, or if the weather is raining. You're, mm-hmm. You know, you don't play the game because you want to play in bad weather. That has nothing to do with it. You just want to be relentless. So that can be a tipping point where you say, I'm, it doesn't matter what the weather is. I'm out here, I'm having fun and I want to be relentless. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can try to continue to connect those dots with the players that will help them get through actually any of those types of scenarios that you mentioned. And how about that, the pressure and expectations piece? Because a lot of times when goal setting is done improperly or not maintained well, then the perceived pressure just gets too much, but it can be based on the goals. So how have you balanced the two? I think if you have that discussion with the player about outcome versus process goals, usually what I found is if you're talking to a player who feels really stressed or really feels like they're under a lot of pressure, it's because they are focused only on the outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. That's usually where the perceived slump is as well, where, well, I'm not hitting very well or my I'm not pitching well. You can you can hear it in just about every aspect of the game, but it's usually because they're putting this perceived pressure on themselves, which we know you can only do that to yourself. But it's because they're tying something to something, a goal that is outcome based only a pass or fail type answer. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you could lay this really strong foundation with your culture and with your commitment to the process and commitment to just getting better and your commitment to learning every single day, regardless of the outcome, that's a sweet spot, right? That's where you really want your players to be. And then they aren't affected by missing a ground ball or they do believe in themselves and they're not worried about striking out because they can learn from that strikeout and they can move on quickly. Mm-hmm. 
I like that piece too, because with the controllables, this is, I mean, it's all interconnected, of course, right? But I think the believing in yourself part, it's so much easier to have that real belief when it's based on the controllables. If you're basing your confidence on batting average on ERA, good luck. It's going to be a rough ride. Absolutely. Again, like you just mentioned, our two common outcome-based goals, right? Where Mm -hmm. if your goal is to hit 300 and you hit 290 in the goal setting situation, you've not hit your goal. Mm -hmm. So that's where kids get in trouble for not being confident. They start getting in their own head. They start putting too much pressure on themselves because they need to hit 300. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with learning and the process and everything else that that you as a coach really want your players to try to focus on. Mm-hmm. I love this. All right. I'm about to put you on the spot. We didn't even talk about this before. So you went through our course with your team this year and you'd been talking about culture and goal setting for a long time, but what did you find was the most helpful with really sitting down and walking through the whys and then starting there for goal setting? It was something definitely different this year than I've ever done, but I realized that I was probably goal setting the wrong way in the past and that it wasn't as effective because every year I would have the kids sit around and everyone name off a goal. So our goals would be 25 lines long and it would be beat the crosstown rival, no drama, have each other's backs (laughs) on and on and on. So, I mean, of course in there was mixed, um, win a state championship or, um, you know, outcome-based, basically uh, on wins, Mm -hmm. Um, but also a lot of those other things like no drama and have each other's backs, which every year was on there, but every year we had. So I think that those were just lines on a piece of paper because we would often struggle with having some of these issues come up. Or again, if we didn't beat the Crosstown rival in the very first game of the season, what does that do for your goals? What does that do for their mind frame? So I think going through the process of connecting everything to their why completely changed the way I thought about goal setting. And it made so much more sense because it doesn't put a lot of pressure on the kids for the outcome. And you can reframe everything back to not only the individual wise, but also the team why that we had come up with this year. Because if you're working through that every single day and you can walk off the field and you're in part, one of the words of our team why was relentless, then, then we had a successful day. We hit our goal. And I think that being able to connect that part was something that I've never done before, but leaps and bounds uh, for my team this year made the goal setting not only a better process, but it was really the connection with the players and the understanding that I was always kind of missing that Mm -hmm. really changed the way I think I approached not only the season, but for them too. And I think that 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 connection piece was a piece that was missing in the past. I agree. Yeah, I've had the same experience. When you connect to that something deeper, that that unwavering feeling that they want when they look back on their careers or the season, then you can get through pretty much anything because that stuff's always attainable. You can always find another way around it to feel relentless. doesn't matter who you're playing. doesn't matter what your record is. You can always find a way to be relentless, even if it's just in this one drill today. Absolutely. You know, we had other words too. You know, fearless was another one. And I think that if you can be truly committed, and I think it goes back to the beginning of the podcast, if you can be truly committed to being relentless and being fearless and and connecting everything, then that's when the quote unquote magic happens, I think, from from the team connection standpoint 
and you can see some amazing things happen from a, a team level. Like, I, like we talked about in our very last game was the most relentless and the most fearless they've ever played. And I was so proud of them and it had nothing to do with the outcome, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we did not win the game, but I was so proud of them because when we walked off the field, boy, were they committed to that? They were mm-hmm. so committed to those words. I was, that's why I was so happy as a coach. And when you can walk off and end a season on a losing note, quote unquote, but go back and you know, your players were super committed to that process. So committed to the process for the year and so bought in that it was successful on the field. Then that's amazing. And I just want to point out for those who don't know the story yet, you can go back to the earlier episodes, the Madawan season and listen, cause it was riveting, but it wasn't just the end of the season. They lost on a questionable call <laughs> and it was heartbreaking and it was a walk-off and oh my gosh, all these emotions, you would not blame anyone for being pissed and sad and just over it. And the fact that these girls were posting to social media, what that night, how proud they were and how they're going to miss this team. That shows me that it was an amazing culture that really lasted throughout the whole season. Absolutely. And that makes me so proud as a coach you know, when kids can take that step back and take away that dramatic outcome, right? Oh, or yeah. that or that terrible <laughs> loss, you know, and step back and have that reflection is also a maturity thing. And what, as a coach, when you are doing this is what you pray for at the end of the day, right? That's what you, mm-hmm. that's what you want. That's why I coach and that's why I do this. And I think that that's like such a proud mom moment, you know, for mm-hmm. as a coach. And I think, um, I think everyone really would truly understand if they've ever been in that situation, how proud they are of a group of kids, regardless of outcome. That is it for this week. But before you go, be sure to grab your freebie. Today, we give you a worksheet directly from our committed course. What's your experience? This is a quick but helpful worksheet to help you and your players become more aware of how committed you actually are and what can tend to get in the way. To grab your PDF and see a quick walkthrough of the sheet and the course, head to mentalsweetspot.com forward slash episode 23. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with us. We hope you're enjoying the show. If so, we truly appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes or on our site at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash reviews. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with us. We hope you're enjoying the show. If so, we truly appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes or on our site at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash reviews. Then give us a shout out on social media and let us know what you've learned and how you've implemented these tactics with your girls. Until then, we'll see you next week for another episode, this time on being the right kind of competitive. Talk to you soon. Have a good one.